never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that wonders how the Tiger King would fare at red light, green light. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. (laughs) I'm just thinking of Squid Game and then the line in Tiger King when uh, um, I can't. What's his name? Joe, whatever. The the main guy from Tiger King, that line he has when he's just. I will never I will never financially recover from this. I'm just that line's playing through my head right now. So that's really funny. But um, how's it going? It's going, man. Um, Yeah. Yeah, we have. uh, Sorry, we have a ton of news to talk about this week. Um, Literally, as we were uh, hitting stop on last week's episode, two news stories dropped and I went, "Ooh, I'll save those for next week. And then it has been a snowball <laughs> of just gargantuan proportions rolling down a hill at us. And I'm going, oh, my God, there's too much to talk about this week. And I don't know what the heck is going on. Um, we're in this stage where uh, we have literally um, so movie after movie after movie hitting theaters. Um, I went and saw The Eternals. Um, I know you haven't. So I'll give yes. a very brief spoiler <laughs> review. I've been slacking. (laughs) That's okay. But I also, in the process, I picked up my ticket to go see (laughs) Ghostbusters next weekend. So, you know what I mean? Like, that's already next weekend. That's so crazy. They just dropped a new Ghostbusters trailer, didn't they? They did. Okay, Uh, yeah, because I just watched that. Um, But yeah, I didn't realize it was so soon. So, yeah, there's just so much so fast. And it's all COVID's fault. But that's okay. <laughs> this is like this amazing golden age of, hey, I get to go to the theater again. Oh, I get to go to the theater again. My wallet hates it, but hey. Um, yeah. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. I did want to say that um, I was racking my brain, and I did remember that the Tiger King is Joe Exotic. I don't know how I oh, forgot his yeah. last name there. But, um, <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I had another one of those weeks where it was kind of like, I feel like... I don't know if it was last week or the week before we were doing like Halloween stuff and neither of us really brought in much watching and reading. And I had another one of those weeks because I just had a weekend that was filled with like baby showers and weddings and stuff. And I just have been busy and haven't had the chance to watch much. Um, The one thing I did start watching is um, Arcane on on Netflix. Are you familiar with this at all? Yeah. So this is I'm familiar of this in the fact that. it looks freaking amazing. Yes. I don't know enough about League of Legends, but it looks cool enough for me to jump in and say, screw the fact that I don't really know a lot about League <laughs> of Legends and just watch it. And three, um, at the Arcane premiere, uh, because I'm a fan of Critical Role, all those guys went to the party and were like, because they were supporting like the industry of the voice actors and stuff. But because you start to get to, when you start paying attention to animation, you start getting to know voice actors. And yeah. 
then you start paying attention to who's in what and who's involved in what. And it, and it makes me want to watch this just because I follow so many of these voice actors, you know? Oh, so, awesome. So that's where I was like, Ooh, I want to check this out just for the sake of it, but give, tell me what's going on, man. What's what? <laughs> well, that, that's the, it? that's the un- unfortunate thing is I haven't watched much because it was one of those things where I started watching the first episode and uh, I got a decent way through, but I got pulled away from the TV and I didn't even think about the voice acting um, aspect of it. But I did um, I did pull up the IMDb page just, you know, just now as I was talking about it. And it does look like there's a pretty uh, stacked cast uh, cast going on in the show, which is pretty cool. But the other thing I can say is I'm the same way as you where I don't know much about League of Legends at all. Like, it's just kind of I haven't really played the game much. I do enjoy the character design from the game. Like anytime at a convention, I see some random person that I don't know. And I'm just kind of like, well, I don't know who that is, but their costume is pretty awesome. And then, you know, nine times out of ten, my friend next to me is like, oh, they're a League of Legends character. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, that's awesome. But uh, so I've always appreciated the franchise from afar. But uh this show, what really drew me to it is the artwork and the animation of it, which I can just say is gorgeous because it's got this really cool. It's like a C, it's like a CG animated show, but it looks hand drawn or almost hand painted where I don't know exactly what techniques or textures they're using, but it's kind of like every shot of this show looks like a it looks like a digital painting or a piece of concept art. And it just, it's a really unique uh, style of animation that like you said earlier, drew, like it just looks gorgeous. And that's kind of really what I've gotten out of it is this is a franchise. I don't know anything about. And in any other situation, I probably wouldn't even be watching this show, but it's so gorgeous that even if I don't like the story, (laughs) I'm going to watch it anyways. Um, And that's the only thing is I'm unfortunately not like, super far into it that I can really comment on the story yet. But I just I kind of just want to pimp this show out a little bit because I kind of just want people to watch Arcane just because the animation is really that good and that unique, especially if you're kind of uh, if you want to watch something CG animated, that's a complete different look than your typical, you know, Pixar films or anything like that. Like, I think this is a really cool place to go. Um, and the character design so far just looks awesome and stuff. And that's really, I think in the coming weeks, I'll have more of a review on it, but right now that's probably all I can say about it. But, uh, yeah, the show from what I've seen so far is really cool. So, yeah, good. Yeah. And that's, and that's <laughs> I'm just, I'm very interested to see the show and I'll agree with you, Mike, that I, I really agree with that point about the painting aspect of the animation. Yeah. That really caught my attention when I watched the trailer. So I noticed that right away. Um, Absolutely. So that's on my list of things to watch. Um, so I did watch. So, yes, I watched Eternals. I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, I watched the finale of Impeachment, American Crime Story. Uh, oh, so nice. The current, <laughs> the current season of American Crime Story, which is the Monica Lewinsky scandal with the Clintons and stuff like that. Um the this is the third season of American Crime Story. The first one was O.J. Simpson, which was unbelievable. It's one of the it's one of the best single seasons of a television show ever. Um, the second season was the assassination of Versace, which I got really bored with. Um, it really wasn't my <laughs> cup of tea. Um, I'm just being honest. Um, but this yeah. one, um, this one being impeachment about Monica Lewinsky, the Bill Clinton impeachment, and all that stuff. It was it was fantastic. 
the last everything about the finale was great, except for like the last five minutes. I felt the last five minutes were a little anticlimactic, but hey, <laughs> overall, interesting. Overall, it's like the, by the end of the by the last five minutes, <laughs> kind of it just felt like it flatlined. I don't know. It just it was weird. It just kind of flatlined and kind of fizzled out. And I was like, that was a weird way to end it. But uh, it wasn't like a Sopranos ending, so that's okay. Um, <laughs> it makes me curious. A lot of times, like things based on uh, true stories do have that sort of anticlimactic ending because <laughs> in real life, not everything is that climactic and uh, dramatic. But now I'm really curious, actually, because it almost sounds the way you're phrasing it. It sounds like it's a choice that was made by the creators of the show as it, opposed to the way the events actually happened, if that it, makes sense. It kind of felt that way. I almost you know how sometimes at the end of like a movie like an eighties movie and they'll like pause on a person and they'll tell you what they're doing in their life. <laughs> and they'll pause on the yeah. Person. And like, that's always done for fun and games and jokes. But I almost felt like we were going to get a couple black screens of been like, this is what's ha- this character, like the character, this is what the, ha- this is where this person is now. This is where this person is now. I thought we were going to get a little bit of that. And we didn't really get that. Yeah. I was just kind of surprised how it, it just felt like a choice. Yeah, it was weird. Um, overall, the, the season was amazing. So um, nice. I so my suggestion is you watch OJ, you skip Versace and you watch impeachment. Um, <laughs> Unless but, you're really interested in Versace, I guess. Yeah, I just I got bored with that season. That's the only like the acting was phenomenal, but I just got bored with it because maybe I just didn't know enough about it. It wasn't something because like OJ and Monica Lewinsky, man, you lived through that. That would the amount Absolutely. that was in the news. Yeah. So whether you wanted to or not, you couldn't escape either of those news stories. So I definitely know what you mean there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the other thing I watched was Eternals, um, because, Peter, since you have not watched the movie yet, (laughs) I'm going to be I'm going to give this a very (coughs) we're going to we'll talk heavy about this next time once you get a chance to see the movie, because I know you're going to want this has gotten a little bit of mixed reviews. And I and I personally felt and I knew about the mixed reviews walking into the theater. So I personally felt like some of the mixed reviews were people. Um, it's not Captain America. It's not Iron Man. It's going to be a very like off to the side story for a lot of us, because not many people read the comics the way like I do, for example. So, yeah. I, and even though I'm not as familiar with the Eternals characters, um. I knew that going into this, my brain is going to be looking at this as a big picture movie where Marvel showed us again. I've said this before. They created a television show. You just have to go to the theater to see it. So, yes, this is the next episode. So even though I'm not familiar with these characters as well, I have to think about the big picture. So that being said, as a whole, I thought the movie was kind of decent. It is not. (laughs) It is not. I definitely will not put it in my favorite movie pantheon in terms of the Marvel MCU. Um, yeah, it would not scratch the top 10, unfortunately. And I can say that because there's 26 of these now, I think, if I got if I'm math right. <laughs> um, but as a whole, the movie was decent. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, I, there was never a moment where I was bored. But for a very wide, long time, I'm trying to get to know these characters that I don't know. So, like me caring about them, the emotional attachment you have to the characters is not there the way you did when you saw the uh, some of the other movies. Um, yeah, that so makes sense. You're learning a lot as you go. That's why I'm saying it really. There were parts of it that weren't important the way they should have been. 
I do feel at the end of this movie that it is an incredibly important Marvel film. And going forward, the repercussions of the events that took place in this film are going to have heavy repercussions for the rest of the ongoing Marvel story. And this is going to be a movie that is going to be scrutinized in rewatchability as uh, we continue on with the next films releasing films and television shows releasing the there's too many big things that happen. That's going to make you go, holy cow. And you got to look at that. big picture. <laughs> um, that's and awesome. I was, I was talking with our brother Scott about this, and he and I are literally on the same page about um, the repercussions and how important of a movie this is. The bonus, yeah. which we can't, I can't really talk about because you haven't seen the movie yet. But yeah, I will I'm sorry. Say, it's okay. <laughs> I will say this: one of the bonus scenes involves Kit Harrington, um, who played Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. But he, yeah, we, we knew he was in this movie. When he got cast in Eternals, they told us who he was cast as. And his big shining moment of who he got cast as is in one of the bonus scenes. So that was a really awesome scene to see. Cool. Um, the other bonus scene um, is the one uh, last week I said got spoiled on the Internet or spoiled on the radio. Not the Internet, the radio. <laughs> said, hey, this is this is, you know, they literally had made it sound like it was a casting announcement. And then they spoiled the scene. Um, yeah, that one is really, really cool, raises heavy questions for the um, the big uh, grand scheme of this whole Marvel puzzle, because people are going to start asking questions about characters that may or may not still be alive um, and lineages of characters and stuff like that. And um, they introduce us to two new characters in that bonus scene that um, made me chuckle at the first one because I can't because I literally I saw the character and was like, I can't believe we're actually doing this. Kudos <laughs> to Marvel for pulling that off. And and if you've seen Eternals, it's the shorter of the two characters. You know who I'm talking about. And the other one, um, when they said his name out loud and actually referred to him as someone's brother, it was like, holy crap. So. Um, it makes you go, it, it really made the wheels spin and it made the bigger questions arise and how important those bonus that the movie as a whole and how important those bonus scenes are. So, well, you're, right now you're just, you're getting me more excited about the bonus scenes than the actual movies, <laughs> the movie. Well, Cause I just want to, I just want to know like, who's this character he's talking about and stuff. But, uh, well, no, it all sounds I'm really trying cool. Trying to be, a, I'm trying to be as spoiler free for you <laughs> as humanly possible. As talk about yeah. Um, but like I said, overall, I thought the movie was decent, but I had to learn these characters. So, you know, I wasn't as emotionally as invested as I probably could have been if like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. Somehow we were instantly emotionally involved, you know? Yeah, you're right. I didn't feel that the way I didn't feel that with this one. Um, I, I, I will say I think, I think, I think they it's they hard. To. I, I will okay. say it. I think it's hard to do that with a. Uh, team superman or team superhero movie though it's it's hard to um especially for the first one i do think it's hard to get you emotionally connected to all the characters and i do think that uh first guardians movie it's kind of really amazing how well um james gunn was able to do that in the in that movie um because i know it's most team superhero movies, especially origin films. And this one doesn't seem like your typical origin film either. So I can see where there's a lot of, um, 
I don't know, just it's it kind of like the cards are stacked against them. Um, but if you ended the movie and felt that it was like super important and you enjoyed it overall, like that's good to hear, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I will say that um, uh, I, I will say in terms of the uh, the superhero uh, mentality of that. Um, how do I want to word this? I feel like I just lost my train of thought. Um <laughs> I was invested in the characters. I really was. I just wasn't yeah. invested as the way they wanted me to be invested. And um, and those bonus scenes, um, I think the bonus scenes are going to make you want to watch the movie again because you're going to go, oh, wait, OK, hold on. And you're going to start <laughs> like asking some questions. And what I found interesting was I say out loud that I'm not as familiar with the Eternals characters as several as other areas of the Marvel uh, universe. However, because of those bonus scenes. I realized I know more about the Eternals characters than I thought, because my brain went, oh, really? And then. I my brain started filling in gaps with all this lore knowledge that I already knew. I just didn't really equate them to the Eternals, quote unquote, the way I probably should have. <laughs> um, if, that well, makes, if that makes sense at all. So, yeah, I, I know I, I well, I can say I know you're giving a spoil spoiler free review and you're being really vague about about this, but. I'm and and I I feel I feel the people who saw Eternals are right there with me wanting me to just no, say <laughs> what one of the things I was going to say, because I have been excited about this movie, because I think aesthetically and kind of the scope of the movie is has seemed like really attractive to me. But I haven't had a chance to see it yet. But the way you're talking about it is kind of I feel like you're selling me on this movie even more than any of the trailers and stuff, because some of these concepts you're touching on seem really interesting so i really i really need to get out and see this one yeah, asap get off your ass and go see it <laughs> well this is a good segue into the news anyway so i'll stop my spoiler free review because we got a ton of news to cover so let's talk about this sound good all right yeah let's go for it um selma hayek who is in the eternals um, recently told a podcast that she did an interview for that she signed on for multiple Marvel films. She said, I did sign multiple movie deals. It was kind of fun being part of this secret society that you have to be that you have to protect so fiercely. Um, I don't know if that's a spoiler she was allowed to or not allowed to say, but I thought it was interesting to hear that she signed on for multiples, because after you see this movie, my brain makes me wonder and it's not because of necessarily character deaths, but the way characters are split up all over the place, how and when we will see some of these characters again, because we talked about how there might not be an Eternals 2 last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So last last week we met we we talked about how there may not be one and not because they're not worth making a movie for, but because in the big picture of the crossovers and the you know what I mean? Like we don't know when and where and the way the movie's left at the end. Um, so I thought that was an interesting piece. Um, there's a bunch of Marvel stuff, so let's talk about that first. Um, right. <clears throat> Werewolf by Night. Do you know that series from Marvel Comics? It's like vaguely. Um, okay. It's one of those series I haven't read a lot. I've read a couple issues that I found in like 15 or, you know, 50 cent bins at uh, conventions and stuff. So I'm a little bit familiar with it, but not 
definitely not a werewolf by night fanboy or anything. So werewolf so. by night is, I mean, basically like the werewolf, like the Wolfman, I guess you could say. Yeah, so, yeah, so, absolutely. <laughs> done by Marvel Comics, I mean, that's the best way to describe it. It is going to be an upcoming Disney Plus Halloween special. Okay, I mean, sound, um, sounds good. I thought that was kind of <laughs> cool. Uh, Gail Garcia Bernal. Um, is cast as the lead. Um, he looks really familiar. I haven't had a chance to look him up yet. I probably should since we're on the air. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, he'll be the lead. But I hear you typing. Are you beating me to it? <laughs> yeah, I was typing it in. Okay, it's yeah, he does look familiar, but I don't know. What where would from. we Where would we know him from? Since you're beating me to it. <laughs> well, now I got to go to IMDb. I just googled it. <laughs> oh well, I mean, it should be right there. Um, <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's all good. It's all um, good. I, I want to vamp, but I don't want to get too far ahead. I just thought it was interesting. Like, oh, hey, we're going to do this, uh, this thing. But why do I go to, oh, okay. So I went to the wrong guy's page. That was weird. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> um, okay. I got it. I'm sorry. This is kind of a funny, stupid thing. So known for. It looks like mostly foreign films. Um, okay. There's a movie called Mo- Mozart in the Jungle. And uh, oh, oh, the Motorcycle I know, I know Diaries. Mozart. I know Mozart in the Jungle. OK, that helps. The Motorcycle yeah. Diaries might be the other one you'd know him from. Um, and then the the other ones are uh, foreign names I can't pronounce. So, OK, cool. I'm, I don't know. I haven't seen either of those movies, so I don't know what I recognize him from. But that's. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we've already spent too much time <laughs> talking about this, to be no, honest. No, it's all good. It's um, all good. But they're they're getting uh, they're get, that's getting a uh, Disney Plus special. Um, rumor, cool, though. rumor, and I say rumor in big quotation marks and bold letters. Um, Marvel Studios has reportedly cast Jim Carrey as Modoc in multiple MCU projects. <laughs> Um, that is, I, that's the last <laughs> character I expected you to say, but that's really funny. Well, <laughs> I, know, I mean, Jim, Jim Carrey could do it. That's, that's cool. Um, uh, in multiple Disney plus projects is what it says. Um, so again, rumor, but we know how rumors are on the internet. Um, so the, the big question is, is he going to appear in live action or is he going to like, he's it's Modoc's. Like, I'm 99% sure he's going to be a CG animated character, but is this going to be in a, you know, a live action sh- special or is this going to be animated, you know? Well, and then the other question is, is Modoc going to essentially be a giant version of Jim Carrey's face with like the arms and legs sticking out of it? Like, that's an that would be a interesting visual, to say the least. Yeah, Um I, it does say MCU, so I'd like to hope it's live action. Um, yeah. Whether, whether he's a CG character or not, I would hope that it's live action. Mm-hmm. Okay. Miss um, Marvel, the Disney Plus show, has been pushed to fall of 2022. Um, there's a lot of Marvel moving stuff around right now. That's the, that's the television show with uh, Kamala Khan uh, as Miss Marvel. Uh, it was slated for 2021. They're pushing it. Uh, there's been a lot of shuffling around the boards with the schedules. So just as a report to say that got pushed. Um, okay. Let me see here. This, like I said, there's a bunch of Marvel stuff. Um, all right. And there's a bunch of Disney stuff, too. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I guess we'll go with that first. Okay, so Tom <laughs> Holland. Tom Holland had a couple things about uh, Spider-Man coming up. Um, he says Spider-Man No Way Home is not fun. It is going to be brutal, dark, and sad. It's the best Spider-Man film we've ever made. Um, <laughs> I, I thought that was really I'm sold. Awesome. <laughs> I, I know I was sold anyway, but I thought that was a really nice quote. Um, Tom Holland also wants people to believe that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are not coming back. <laughs> um, uh, he says, people don't believe me when I say that they're not coming back, but people are going to have to believe me at some point. Um, <laughs> so with all the internet rumors and all that stuff, I don't know what that means. I really don't. Um, so we'll see what happens, I guess. Um, I think you got to take everything Tom Holland says with a grain of salt. Well, yeah, cause cause they don't, cause they don't tell him things. He, he ruins all the stories. He spoils things. Absolutely. So. He's been known to spoil things, <laughs> but then at this point, you don't know if he's been coached so much to not spoil things that you basically need to assume the opposite of whatever he says. So yeah, yeah I would just take it as it is. I guess. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Here's, this is potentially spoilers. There is a, I don't know if it's a rumor, but it's um, producers and writers and stuff who worked on the Eternals have been talking about the possibility of Galactus coming to the MCU. Um, this is a pipe dream for all of us. We all want to see Galactus done right on screen. We know we're working towards the Fantastic Four. Um, and because of the events of Eternals and seeing the Celestials that we got to see in the movie... Um, and actually learn some more about what the Celestials are. Um, Galactus is literally on the tip of everyone's tongues going, when do we get to see Galactus? Um, and here's a direct quote um, from the uh, writers from Eternals. Galactus is an amazing, amazing character and villain. We are, you know, obviously setting the stage for an intergalactic cosmic megaliath confrontations especially when you kill a space god and then a space god comes and kidnaps you and plans to judge earth i think the door is very much open for world eating villains um that's huge for them to say that and it makes me wonder if galactus is part of the big plan going forward but they're waiting for the right movie to tell us okay yeah <laughs> Um, it's very very exciting, but it they also haven't promised or really given us that yeah. much to go on no, there. So they haven't told us anything, right? Um, <coughs> right. Let's talk about Disney news real quick, and then uh, Disney news, and then we can roll into these quick hits. Um, okay, All first right. news: the, sh the the news story that literally hit as we stopped recording last week. There will be a live action Snow White movie coming. Yes, I, I have seen and heard some stuff about this. Um, so personally, Snow White is one of my absolute least favorite Disney films, period, of all time. What? Really? Yes, I absolutely. It drives me nuts. There's so many <laughs> things about there's so many things about that movie that drive me nuts. I really don't. Okay. Like it. I really don't like it now. Um, I mean, it was made like 80 years ago, so I feel like people's standards might have been different then, too. No, but, uh, yeah, well, that's just interesting. That, and I feel, I feel a little bad for saying this, but Snow White has <laughs> the worst singing voice of all the Disney princesses. <laughs> um, and the reason okay, I feel I bad could for, see that and the reason I feel bad for saying that is because 
that's Walt's daughter. Um, but, uh, no, (laughs) (laughs) Snow White has always bothered me as a character. Anyway, regardless of that, the the part of the evil queen in Snow White is being is got cast is it has been cast as Gal Gadot. Uh, yeah, yeah, I heard about that. All right. So all I'm thinking is that, and I haven't dug into this, so the casting for who's playing Snow White might actually be out there. But all I can say is, if you're having Gal Gadot play the evil queen, <laughs> and she has to look in the mirror and say, "Who's the fairest of them all?" and they say, "Not you." Seriously, who did you cast? (laughs) (laughs) That's a really funny point, actually. Um, When I heard about the news, I did think like Gal Gadot, she does have a look where she just can seem like a really epic, like the idea of her being an evil queen. Like, I feel like she can. She has the acting chops and the uh, appearance to really pull off a role like that. But I do think you have a really good and funny point there. I'm no <laughs> arguments there from me. Yeah, I just. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Also. Um, all right, Disney. Yes. OK. Here's a story that kind of bummed me out. Rogue Squadron, the next Star Wars film, is delayed due to scheduling. Um, the film was set to start production in 2022, but due to Patty Jenkins, very busy schedule, the film is being pushed to be determined on a new date. Okay. That scared me a little bit, but I was also like, well, they didn't say we're not getting the movie. And then I see another, um, I see, I see another story that's titled Patty Jenkins, Star Wars Rogue Squadron delayed indefinitely. And it Mm -hmm. says, uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter, the reason for the delay is scheduling, which I already said, as Jenkins' current commitments include writing and directing Wonder Woman 3, as well as the Cleopatra movie starring Gal Gadot. Um, The Hmm. thing here is I don't know what the order of operations has to be. And the reason I say that is the announcement for Rogue Squadron was made. There's a lot of pre-production stuff that has to be done prior to. I don't know if Patty Jenkins is even writing Rogue Squadron. She might just be directing it. Um, she, yes, she's doing Wonder Woman three, which I believe was announced long before. I don't know when Cleopatra got announced. Um, but as far as Rogue Squadron goes, when I think of other things, um, James Gunn said he was going to do Guardians three, but he also said he had commitments to do Suicide Squad first. So it was kind of mm-hmm. like, since I'm done with this, I'll start Guardians. Well, guess what? Suicide Squad's over, and James Gunn officially announced that Suicide Squad start has started production. So <laughs> I don't, you know what I mean? It sounds like uh, Warner Brothers is, just has a monopoly on all these directors' timelines for some reason. I don't, I don't know. And maybe the, and maybe they are. What I do know is that um, it, the movie's delayed. It bums me out. So I don't know if we'll see a different Star Wars movie be the first one. Because Patty Jenkins' movie, the Rogue Squadron, was supposed to be the first Star Wars movie back after this little hiatus they're taking uh, to yeah. get the pieces in order. So. I'm okay with a little bit longer of a wait. I really am. Um, so we'll see what happens, and I will keep you guys updated because that's one that I'm really excited about. Um, okay. Um, Disney has announced. So tomorrow, today is November 11th. Um, tomorrow, <coughs> December, November 12th, which is officially Disney Plus Day. So by the time this episode drops, Disney Plus Day will have already happened. But there's a lot of content dropping, like a ton of content. So 
the fact so listening to this might make you go, oh, wait, I forgot about that. And then you actually are gonna <laughs> go dig into Disney Plus because of what they're dropping. So first off, let me tell you this on Disney Plus Day and the sale will probably be over by the time this episode airs, but it doesn't matter on Disney Plus Day. If you are a new customer or a renewing customer, as in like you're renewing your month subscription on Disney Plus Day, if it happens to land on the day of you only have to pay a dollar. <laughs> um, oh, cool. I thought. I thought that was awesome. So that month is like a dollar. Um, so content dropping on Disney Plus, everything coming to Disney Plus on Disney Plus Day. There's a whole bunch of shorts uh, hitting release like uh, um, Chow Alberto and Frozen Fever and Get a Horse. And there's a new Simpsons short coming. Um, this. Uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of shorts coming, including one of my absolutely favorites. Uh, Paperman, which uh, won um, the Academy Award for Best Animated Short Film, it is literally absolutely gorgeous. It's one of oh, the best. Yeah. Short, it's one of the best short films I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, it's probably my favorite of the Disney shorts. That will be officially on Disney Plus. Um, oh, nice. on, on Disney Plus Day, uh, you're getting, like I said, you're getting a new Simpsons short. Um, the new Home Alone movie. Um, or it's called Home Sweet Home Alone. That's what it's titled. That'll be on Disney Plus. It's a Disney Plus specific, so they made it for the platform. Um, the new Olaf presents. So if you have kids who are into, uh, frozen and stuff that drops on Disney plus day, um, Shang Chi and the legend of the 10 rings is on Disney plus for everybody that day. Um, the, the rocks jungle cruise movie will be on Disney plus that day. Um, uh, a Boba Fett documentary titled under the helmet, the legacy of Boba Fett drops that day. Um, uh, the Tangled Ever After short, World According to Jeff Goldblum Season 2. Um, it's a huge, huge list. The one that really got my attention is Marvel, and I wonder if this is a Snyder Cut ripoff, to be completely honest. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not kidding, and I'm not kidding when I say this. Marvel, on the upcoming Friday, November 12th, Disney Plus will release 13 MCU movies in IMAX's expanded aspect ratio. <laughs> oh, I gotcha. So uh, Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, Captain America, <sighs> Civil War, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, Black Widow, and Shang-Chi will all be released in IMAX aspect ratio formatting. Um, which is awesome. I just, when I, when I saw that, I was like, yeah, that's because the Snyder cut did it. <laughs> uh, but that's well, awesome. I was, I, I thought you were going to say like, because you said the Snyder cut ripoff, I thought you were going to be like, they're releasing an extended version of the, of end game or something like that. I'm just like, wait, what, what's going on? That's awesome. But no, uh, yeah. no, that's really I, so interesting. Thir 13 Marvel films are getting an IMAX uh, format release. And I thought that was, I just thought that was awesome that we're going to get that. So, um, yeah, where am I on the list of things? Okay, yeah, that's it for Marvel and Disney. So, are you ready to talk like some quick hits here, real quick? Yeah, I'm kind of curious what's <laughs> what's okay. coming next down the pipeline. <laughs> quick hits. Netflix announced Netflix announced Squid Game season two. Makes sense. I'm not surprised. I expected that to happen. Um, did you remember talking about the live action Gundam Wing movie? Yeah, I think they released long, a screenshot from it, right? There was a long time ago that we talked about that, but they've officially released the first screenshot from the uh, live-action Gundam Wing movie that'll be on Netflix. 
I completely forgot about this. So I grabbed it and say, hey, the movie's still coming. The screenshot looks cool, but the screenshot very well could be CGI because um, it's one of the robots. And I don't know if that, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Gundam, if, if nothing else, I will say it'll be cool to see live action Gundams. We saw it a little bit in um, Ready Player One, but it'll just be kind of cool to see the action scenes from the series, if nothing else. I know the internet's blowing up in really divisive ways about Netflix doing live action adaptations of so many different animes and people have their thoughts on whether they should even be doing these or not. So it's kind of an interesting discussion that we could probably go in further depth some other time, but Gundam, it'll be cool just to see the action scenes, if nothing else, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Yes, I agree. Uh, let me see here. <laughs> no, I agree. And then um, in terms of anime turning into live action, this really caught my attention. The, the ca- Basically, the cast list for this got announced. I don't know if I knew this was going to be a thing. Um, but Netflix is doing a live action One Piece series. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I was talking about this with some friends, but um, yeah, it's... Uh, um, it's weird. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, the cast, none of the characters, I re- none of the actors I really know from anywhere. But I was like, oh, I didn't know a live action One Piece was coming. But that's cool. Um, so if you're a One Piece fan, uh, that's coming to Netflix. Um, I feel bad for not knowing that or catching it. I feel like it kind of caught me off guard. Um, <laughs> looks like a Hellboy TV series may be in the works. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, Jeffrey Greenstein is playing around with the idea of a Hellboy TV series and believes there's a lot of opportunities with it. Um, there can be. Um, I feel like this is one where you really have to be accurate. And the only reason I say yep. that is we've gotten three movies and um, they're not all the greatest. <laughs> well, I, so, think, I think it's you have two in my opinion, highly celebrated movies that were, you know, directed by Guillermo del Toro, starring Ron Perlman and stuff. And you had a third movie that it seemed like was kind of slept on. I actually haven't seen that movie myself, so I don't know if it's any good or not. But I think because of those first two movies were so good, you're really competing with that the legacy of those two films. And so if you're doing a TV show, you either need to stand up out apart from those films or you need to create something that's even better or, you know, good enough to stand on its own. And that there's a big challenge there, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. Um, so yeah. And then, um, let me see here. Where are we at? Um, it'd be cool if they did like a animated hell Hellboy show. That could be a cool way to stand out and yeah, do some crazy stuff. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. I have one rumor and then one science story. Um, so we have the Batman coming up. So the rumor, and I, and honestly, I don't know what to say about this because we already know that the movie is going to have the penguin, the Riddler and Catwoman in the film as the villains. Um, Mm -hmm. they did, they did talk about how they were using the long Halloween as a, uh, inspiration when they first started working on the movie. Um, since then, I feel like they've really veered away and are now telling their own story, which is which I'm really happy with because I'd rather see like a fresh Batman story as opposed to just a straight adaptation from a book. Um, 
So, but if they are doing long Halloween, there's a lot of characters they need to address, like the Joker's in that, and Mr. Freeze is in that, and Poison Ivy's in that. Yeah, a lot of stuff in the long Halloween. That's a big story. Um, <laughs> the, uh, however, the uh, Barry Cogan, if I pronounce his last name correctly, who played Druig um, from the Eternals, is apparently rumored. Rumor, and please treat this information as rumor, quote unquote. Um, is rumored to be playing the Joker in the Batman film. Um, this is the first. We're, <laughs> we're literally this is the first we're hearing of this, so I really don't want to hold my hat on this at all. You know, um, I'm just thinking: Are we really going to have three live action Jokers at the yeah. same yeah. time? Yeah. You know. Yep. Uh, why not? It's I mean, not- I, I know I know there's three in the comics, right? Or is that according to Rebirth? Or I know you've talked about that. Uh, story arc where they yeah the, uh, three, the three jokers story yeah so so i don't know if that's gonna come into play but uh no that's interesting like i think this new batman movie looks awesome and uh if the joker can come into that that's awesome as well it's just you know how many jokers are they gonna really have on the big screen and at the same maybe, time you know maybe that's a bonus scene <laughs> you know what i mean maybe it's not and then it's like a bonus scene you know that'd be cool that's too. true yeah um, all right, quick science story because you know I like science stories. There's a lot Absolutely. of stuff. There's a lot of stuff happening on November 19th, right? Like we got the Cowboy Bebop uh, show coming. This is a lot of stuff dropping in November. I don't know what's going on, but um, <laughs> NASA is predicting that the upcoming lunar eclipse on November 19th will be the longest eclipse in a hundred years and could last up to three hours and 28 minutes. Um, cool. I just. I just thought that was cool. So on the 19th, everyone look up and see if the moon got blotted out because we have a lunar eclipse on our hands. And apparently it's a quite lengthy one. So that sounds cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that brings us to the end of the news. We got through it quicker than I thought we were. (laughs) Um, Nice. Cool, man. All right. Well, do you want to talk about the list? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. All right, man. Well, Ryan, it is time to do the list. So do me a favor, man, and roll the thing. for the top five all right peter so we're back this is this week it was my pick um and uh i this is something that um because of a specific book i was reading it made me think about independent comics and we don't and we talk about independent comics when they come up in conversation but we never really dive deep into what we really really like so i just thought it'd be kind of fun to talk in indie comics for a change so um, tonight we're discussing our top five indie comics, uh, the comics themselves, or maybe a story arc or something, however you want to word it. I was originally thinking stories when I did the list, but then I, as I yeah. was my list, it was more like, no, these are just the books I like. So <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would have known that I did try to keep my list kind of focused on story arcs, or at least that's how I'm planning to talk about them. But I definitely uh, understand what you mean, because there's certain there's certain indie comics where it's almost like a serialized comic at this point where it's just been going on so long where it's just like, like I didn't pick this comic, but uh, like Usagi Yojimbo, for example, if you pick that one, that's a, that's a series that has been going on so long. And if you just wanted to be like, well, I just like the whole thing, you know, like that totally is valid. So uh, anyways, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but uh, yeah, what were you saying? What I was just going to say was just so people understand that when I say indie comics, there's the pillars, there's the DC and the Marvel pillars. Those are like the two 
big companies. Those are like two battling forces. And in the midst of all that, they have the other companies like Dark Horse and Top Cow and uh, Image and um, I'm trying to think of another one, just uh, Crossfire and uh, anyway, those those companies. They're all, <laughs> yeah, they're literally, like, I'm literally like just naming a whole bunch. I'm like, crap. I'm like, <laughs> um, yeah. Cliffhanger. That's another one. Um, once when you start like when you start going to getting in the minutia, they're all producing comics that they're not a part of Marvel or DC. So they're called yeah. comics or independent comics. Um, and these are just some of my favorites. And I figured, and so I just thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about some of this stuff. Um, so uh, it's, it was my pick this week. So I have two honorable mentions. You get to go first. I do not know the companies for everyone who made, <laughs> I don't know the companies at all online fall under. So, um, I don't know if that was part of the homework, but <laughs> no, that's, that's, uh, that's absolutely understandable. Um, as you say that, I realize there's, I think one on my list that I'm not sure the company for, but, um, first of all, I did want to say, I have two honorable mentions as well, but I did want to say like, this list was actually really exciting for me because, like, I love Marvel and DC for sure, but something about indie comics and web comics and just, I don't know, something about indie comics just really gets, like, my blood pumping, and that sounds really funny, but it's something about, um, I don't know, I like to know, I like to see the weird stories and stuff that people come up with while they're working on a comic book in their basement or something, and I like indie films for the same way, because I like that feeling when you read an independent comic and you think like, Oh, it's cool. Somebody, you know, put their blood, sweat and tears into this story that I'm reading right now. But then you also think like, I could do this myself, you know, I could make an indie comic. Why not? And I think that's just that I really get that creative uh, energy when it comes to independent things. So I was really excited about that list or about this list, but it was with that being said, it was super hard to actually narrow down my list into five picks and two honorable mentions. And I kind of feel like I didn't go with enough deep cuts as I wanted to. Like I kind of wanted to pick some more weird things. And some of the, some of my picks are actually pretty big names in the comic book world. But uh, this is a I think this is a really cool list and I'm glad we're doing this. Um, I can jump into my honorable mentions, though, if you yeah, if you like. Away. Okay, so my first honorable mention is a comic we've talked about on the podcast a ton. We've this comic has actually spawned a movie as well. We've talked about that as a ton. No, my first pick isn't Spawn, even though I just said that <laughs> word. Uh, I, I actually like, went with <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually went with uh, Scott Pilgrim for my first honorable mention, which is. It's a great film. I actually saw the film before reading the comic and then I just had to hunt down all the graphic novels for this series. And I think this is a really cool series. Um, stylistically, I think it's written in like a really cool sort of a really independent sort of uh, not just the plot of the story, but the way it's written and the references and stuff. It really has that indie feel. But um, I think artistically, Scott Pilgrim has a very it has a very unique, um, very simple, but very striking style to the artwork. But the artworks also it's kind of like a simplified, um, like more quickly drawn. Um, like it's it's highly influenced by like manga and anime, but it's also like this really simplified indie, like cool art style that I feel like has been 
aped into oblivion at this point but when it was when this comic came out it was pretty unique and uh, i really appreciate the artistic voice of this comic as well um the only reason this is an honorable mention for me and not necessarily making my final list is i feel like to me scott pilgrim is a story that i really related to in my early 20s and uh I still love the story, but I think as I grow older, I relate to it less and less as opposed to some of the other comics I picked, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I get you there. And Scott Pilgrim, it's a good book. I've only read that correlates with the movie. I have not gone really beyond that. So that's a book that I need to get a little more into because I really liked what I read, but it was so well handled with the movie that it was kind of like, yeah, you know, so so. From from what I remember, the first volume is almost like shot for shot the same as the movie. And then once you get into volume two and beyond, what's that? It's real close shot for shot movie. Yeah. And 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 once you get beyond that, it starts to change and get weirder. And then you get weird scenes and subplots that weren't even mentioned in the movie. And uh, it becomes its own thing after the first volume or two. I can't remember exactly when it trails off but i do remember when i started it it was so close to the movie it was a little bit hard to get through because i'm just like well i just watched this and now i'm reading the exact same thing you know what i mean yeah i hear you um i guess it's my first honorable mention pick right um yeah so my first honorable mention is the league of extraordinary gentlemen um awesome the um I, and I'm specifically focusing on the first volume because I do feel this comic is one that kind of got weird as you went. But the first volume was so much fun to read. Um, and, yeah, I know the movie got the reviews that the movie got. But um, I really and I actually kind of enjoyed the movie for what they were trying to do because they were trying to give you the. The book, but um, the book itself, I mean, we're talking like all these literary characters like. You know, Tom Sawyer is not in the book, but he was in the movie. But you have Alan Quartermain and Mina Harker and the Invisible Man and uh, Captain Nemo and um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You have these literary characters coming together and becoming like this Justice League team, I guess you could say. Um, Just a really cool adventure story. Um, So, yeah, I just. Yeah, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It's cool. If you don't want to read the book, the movie honestly isn't that bad. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I thought the movie was actually fairly decent. So, yeah, I I, I like the movie. I think the book is, um, you know, it's this is an Alan Moore um, series, so you know it's written really well. And I think the the book is just, I think the book is just a higher tier um, as far as like just the level of artwork as well as like. I I guess that's the thing, like in the level of art and I'm not just talking about visual art, but just looking at the the book or graphic novel or whatever as its own thing. Like, I think it's a higher tier as far as writing and as far as a piece of art than the movie is, if that makes sense. But um, I really love League of Extraordinary Gentlemen as well. Um, I once when I was in college, I actually took this awesome British lit class where the teacher had us read um, like we read some of the old Alan Quartermain stories and we read um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde um, and Dracula. And we read all these 
these stories and we didn't know this, but the last thing we read was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. (laughs) And it was just an awesome like we had no idea all this other stuff we were we were were reading. The teacher was secretly going to have us read League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and it was all going to culminate in that. And it was just such a cool, like rewarding experience. So I definitely really like this one. This one made my short list, but uh, unfortunately, not my final, but it's definitely a great pick. That's really funny. Um, yeah. All right, man. What's your next honorable mention? <laughs> yeah. So my next honorable mention, and it almost feels blasphemous that this is an honorable mention, but I actually went with Spawn for this one. And uh, the reason I went with Spawn is um, the thing about it is Spawn is one of my favorite comic book series ever. Um, I really love Todd McFarlane as a personality and a businessman. And I find the way that he works really inspiring. Um, and, uh, I love spawn from the character design and everything. And it's one of those things where it feels blasphemous, but this made an honorable mention for me because as far as like story arcs, I don't know if there's like a specific story arc that I felt like I truly love besides just the whole, kind of the whole thing, you know, the whole scenario. And I've read Spawn comics. I haven't read every Spawn comic, but I've read them off and on, um, especially the old like Todd McFarlane, Greg Capullo stuff. And um, Drew, I remember you collecting Spawn like you had a ton of Spawn issues from the Angel Medina run. And I remember reading a ton of those and stuff. But Spawn to me, it's like almost this atmospheric, like almost like eternal plot and situation um for al simmons that you read through but it's it's kind of like one of those things like i wasn't sure a specific story arc and that's why it made us an honorable mention if that makes sense no it totally does uh yeah yeah it totally does and um i you know i agree with you on all those points with spawn um i'll have more to say about spawn later (laughs) i had a a feeling that was gonna come (laughs) <laughs> so um, I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, I had a feeling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So my next one is Sin City. Um, the uh, I really, really enjoy Sin City for what it is. And I really enjoyed the movie. I thought they did really like I wasn't a big fan of the second film, but the first film was fantastic. Um, yeah. What uh, the reason Sin City makes an honorable mention as opposed to being higher on my list is that I feel like Sin City crumbled a little bit for me under hype and it got, I think it got held up on the, it's cooler than people made it out. It's, it's not as cool as people were making it out to be or whatever. Like I read a, like, I read a <laughs> large amount of it and I really enjoyed what I was reading, but I feel like, and I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I just was like, I got to the end and I was like, it was good. You know, like there's other stuff I could yeah. do. Oh, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's funny. Uh, I put my list together and I didn't think of Sin City at all, but it's definitely a great pick. Um, It definitely has like I know this isn't necessary, but it does. It definitely has a really like indie feel to it and really experimental feel feel to it, which I enjoy. And uh, this is a series that. I actually wasn't really aware of until the first movie came out and then um, I read some of the comics and stuff. But uh, no, it's it's a good pick, but I'm a little bit with you where I don't know if there's a specific story arc that I love from the series, but I do appreciate the um, 
the style and experimentation of both the comic and the movie. And um, I, I do appreciate the um, the fact that it's an anthology series or story or however you want to phrase it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It there's there's like a dime a dozen when you go to like horror anthologies. Like there's so many horror anthologies, but I like that Sin City's like a dark, gritty sort of crime anthology series. Like you don't see those a lot, especially in this day and age, you know, now that we're we're in the modern age, we're not, you know, in the pulp era of uh, comics and pulp novels and all that. So it's really cool to see that kind of story nowadays, if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's another one where they did a, such a great job of, uh, uh, shot for shot with the movie, like making oh, absolutely, it exactly yeah. like the comic book. It's one of the, the first Sin City movie is probably one of the best comic book adaptations ever because of how close it is to the actual source material. So, yeah, that's a good point. First actual pick, man. What do you got? Okay. Yeah. So my first actual pick, I went with. Johnny, the homicidal maniac. Uh, Drew, are you familiar with this? Do you know this comic at all? I do I'm not, hearing so. silence. Okay. Yeah, no, I do not, so. <laughs> You're about to in a second. So you like the show Invader Zim, right? Yep. I love it. This, I love so, Invader so this comic book is the, uh, the project that the creator of Invader Zim did before Invader Zim. And it was a black and white, super cartoony, like it had that Invader Zim, like drawing style and stuff. But it was, yeah, this black and white, super violent, but super hilarious book called Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. <laughs> and it was just about this really skinny looking, like the creator of this comic and Invader Zim is Jonan Vasquez. And if you've ever seen a picture of him, he's kind of this really skinny dude who kind of has like a goth sort of style who wears a trench coat a lot. And that's pretty much what Johnny from the book looks like. Like it's almost like the cartoon version of the creator, but this is a indie comic book that started as basically like just a gore sort of comic. Like it was just stories with really dumb jokes and uh, stories about Johnny going around and killing people. But as the series goes, the jokes get funnier, the writing gets smarter and uh, the plot gets more intricate. And this is this is one where I don't really have a specific story arc because the way the comic is written is kind of weird. Like it's if you read it, you, it's one of those comics where it's it's broken up into a bunch of short stories. So you'll have like you'll read like nine pages and it'll be one story and it's all, you know, in this interesting, like almost comic strip like style with really small panels and stuff. But you read like a, a series of pages and you read one story and then you read the next four, four pages and it's another story. And then maybe the next 15 pa pages will cover another story. But when you read the entire series, there is like this kind of weird esoteric plot that goes over it all. And the creator of this comic really delves into the plot later on. Um, and it kind of, it is a really esoteric philosophical thing when you start, when you start getting into it as you go through the comic. But I love this comic because this is literally 
like I've laughed out loud reading Scott Pilgrim, for example, but this comic is one of the few comics and or just books in general that I've just laughed the most at. And it's really hard to explain unless you've read it. But if you like Invader Zim and that's kind of humor, this is the same thing. It's just not held back because, you know, it's in a it's basically like the rated R version of Invader Zim where it, anything can really happen and any language or gore or whatever can be shown. And this is one that drew, I kind of, I didn't know you hadn't read this, so I kind of want to loan it to you, but, uh, right. cause I have the graphic novel collection of it and it's just, it's just pretty awesome. And this is one of my favorite ones. Um, there's also a series called squee, which squee is like a little boy who appears in Johnny, the homicidal maniac. And it's kind of like the sequel series about like, this little boy and his adventures. And, you know, that series is just as hilarious as uh, Johnny, the homicidal maniac. But Drew, this is a, this is a really great comic. I think you should check out. I think it's, it's one of those things where you've probably seen somebody wearing a Johnny, the homicidal maniac t-shirt, but you just don't know it. Like it's one of those, there's a really popular T-shirt that they'd sell at like Hot Topic a lot that had this character on it that you would probably recognize if you saw it, if that makes sense. So, oh, OK, and that's interesting. But all the Invader Zim correlation makes me excited anyway. So that just makes me interested in general. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm totally down to check this out. Um, anything else on that one before I go? No, I think I've kind of covered it. It's just. It's just a great comic, and especially if you want something with like an indie feel and a weird feel and just something really hilarious, like this comic's great. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, um, all right. So the next one I'm going to talk about is The Walking Dead. Oh, awesome. Um, I don't know. Did we match on this one? No, we didn't. I just didn't okay. realize we were even talking about Walking Dead tonight. So that's <laughs> that's cool. Oh. Well, it's, it's an indie comic. It falls under Image Comics and whatnot. Um, Walking Dead, um, we all know about it because of the TV show. I feel like the TV show kind of <laughs> is welcome, to be completely honest. Um, and I remember I did not read the comic prior to seeing the show. Um, it was probably after, like, the second season I decided to give the comic a go. And... The comic is fantastic. Um, the show definitely bounces around and takes lots of liberties with the comic and kind of does their own thing here and there and then weaves another storyline. So, like, if you're reading the comic along with the show, you're going to be like, oh, I think I know where they're headed. So it's really nice that you're not like you're still like surprised by the show where the comic can still like the two of them can surprise you. It's like you're, you're in the same universe, but it's like this, they can surprise you in their own little ways, which is great. Um, but the comic, um, it was, it was kind of like when I started reading it, yeah, I was watching the show, but in terms of comic book world, it was kind of like right what I needed at the right time. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I really, really enjoyed the comic. Um, I've only read through, the first 150 issues. I have not finished it because I know I know it's done. Um, I just haven't read the end of it yet. Um, I needed a Walking Dead break because I feel like the show kind of killed it a little bit, to be completely honest, just because I think the show is kind of overstayed its welcome. Um, but I know the show is currently on its way out. So, um, yeah, I don't know yeah, what you about Walking Dead. I mean, with the show, just because you were just talking about it, it's weird because it was the biggest show on TV for so long. And, um, 
I don't I don't know. It's one of those things where at a certain point, people kind of started getting sick of the show. Um, and I'm not going to say they're justified or unjustified. Like, I still like the show. I'm a little bit behind and I need to catch up. But I do really like that show. But I do feel like it's almost like this thing where the show where a lot of people started to kind of stray away from the show. Um, they they kind of ruined the hype for the comic. And I think you're getting at that a little bit where yeah. um, when the comic finally ended, it didn't feel like this big, crazy event that it should have. Like I listen, I remember listening to a couple different like comic book related podcasts and uh, their review of it was kind of like, well, The Walking Dead ended and they kind of just left it at that. And it for such a big franchise, I feel like that should have been a bigger event. It should have been something more for, uh, celebrated, something more talked about um yeah. which kind of which kind of sucks but um it it is what it is like it's still one of the biggest independent comic books of all time and what whatever you think about the show like the show is out there and i think it is a show that left its mark on pop culture it really got people super into zombies for a while which was amazing and stuff like that um i haven't read as far into this comic as you have drew i've kind of read uh some of the beginning volumes i really i really love i think the artist's name is tony daniel who did the the early stuff for the walking dead i actually really like his style because i'm somebody who leans more into liking the cartoony stuff um and the other artist while i really like the newer artists like his style i don't like it as as much so i just haven't been in as much of a rush to read the newer volumes of the walking dead. But, um, no, I mean, from what I read, it was a great comic. This is a comic that I actually won a random art contest in college <laughs> at my school. And, uh, one of the prizes was the first volume of walking dead, which is kind of how I got into oh, it. And then a couple of years later, uh, the show was coming out and it was almost like, it was one of those things where I read the first volume and then I bought like the next, you know, couple and then forgot about it. And then the show got came out and I got back into it again. And it was just a cool, cool thing. And I think The Walking Dead's a cool franchise in general. But uh, I think I've been rambling on about Walking Dead <laughs> a little no, too much right. at this point. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's all right. The um, shoot. What was I going to say about? Oh, that's what I was going to say. Uh, the show has a specific intensity to it. Um, because Walking Dead has this intensity to it with the with the zombies and everything like that. And, and you think to yourself, is that possible to recreate that intensity on the page? Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> I, know the, I know the comic came first and then the show, obviously. But my point is the fact that whether you're watching the show or whether you're reading the comic, that intensity with the zombies and stuff is still there. And it's just as equal. Um, so it's just a really well written and kudos for Robert Kirkman for making that book. Cause it's just fantastic. Um, absolutely. But yeah, um, we can continue talking about walking the dead or we can talk about other cool stuff. So Peter, what's your next pick for the night? <laughs> so my next pick of the night is, and drew, I don't know if we matched on this at all, but I went with the, Image comic from the 90s, The Max. Um, yes, we totally maxed on this one. Awesome. And I don't know if you're saving this one for later or not, but this series oh, is okay. just <laughs> this. This series is really it's really crazy. Um, it's so the artist and um, writer of the series, Sam Keith, is a very is a guy with a very unique style art style. Um, it's something that's 
very it can be very cartoony and very indie looking um and if you follow me there like i hope you know what i mean but it can also be very badass and very superhero-y and muscly and just action-packed looking as far as his art style goes and i've always been attracted to the series because of that but also because of his storytelling like if you ever look at the old early 90s image comics you know when image started as this this group of uh artists who broke away from marvel and started their own uh comic book company if you look at those old comics the storytelling in those comics is so ambitious and so crazy where they don't have a lot of your standard like six panel or nine panel like sort of square comic book grids on each page they have like these crazy weird shaped panels and like diagonal lines going across the pages and crazy two page uh, spreads and splash pages going on. And it's kind of a trip that I actually really enjoy when I go back and I read those old image comic books. And I think the max is just such a perfect example of like just weird panel shapes and weird storytelling and certain, I remember there was one page where the way the panels on the page were laid out, you couldn't even follow it. But some of the panels had little arrows in the corner that pointed like where you were supposed to read, like which panel you were supposed to read next. And I thought that was so funny. But the thing about the Max is uh, this is a series that it was popular enough as a comic book that it became a MTV animated uh, TV series. And I actually wasn't familiar with the comic, but I actually saw the show on MTV a couple times. And it was one of those things where it was so cool because it had all the cool, badass superhero elements that I loved. But it also was just bizarre and weird and it felt adult and it felt like it felt like something that I shouldn't be watching. But it was so cool, you know, because I was in like grade school and I was like, it felt like something I shouldn't be watching, but it just felt so cool that I wanted to watch it. Um, And that's why I like that animated series really stuck in my mind. But Drew, I remember a little later on, I remember you were collecting the like graphic novels for the series and I had to borrow some of them for you and from you. And I remember just looking at these comic book pages and it kind of blew my mind with how weird and experimental and cool and just indie they felt. And I just felt reading the max was just such a, such a, uh, inspiring experience and i'm sitting here and i haven't talked about the characters or the plot or anything but i think the book's really interesting because it's it's like kind of about the plights of like this homeless character who also is a superhero or does he just believe he's a superhero and kind of i was gonna i was gonna say go go ahead yeah not to interrupt you but like there's literally nothing i can say about the max anymore you've covered everything um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Like, like so sorry. I, I, I agree with literally everything you said, but I've like, yeah. covered everything. What, you, what I'm going to stop you and I'm just going to jump in because you because the way you had that moment of hesitation, clearly you haven't read it in a while. Um, no, no. Yeah, go for it. The uh, the Max is about a homeless bum who <laughs> lives in a cardboard box in the alleyway and he works with this social worker named Jules um, or like she helps him out. Well, the Max has he believes he's a superhero 
And in his own mind, he goes into this imaginary world where he saves jewels from monsters and creatures and stuff like that. And yeah, gets to be a superhero thing. So, like, it's a very Alice in Wonderlandy kind of a thing where you get the real world aspect. But then, like, you retreat into his own mentality and he is the superhero in his own mind. Um just a really cool concept because like, I think we all do that in our own ways. It's relatable in the sense of, well, yeah, sometimes when I disappear, like, you know, you'll be at a party and sometimes I'm in my own head just doing like cool superhero stuff. Like, you know, <laughs> it's over there in the corner yeah. like, and people are like, Andy, what you thinking about? And you're like, Oh, nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. That's actually really good. And that was the thing is like, yeah, I haven't read it for a bit, but like I remember the basic concept, but in a way to describe it, like I think you did a really good job describing it, like putting into words what I couldn't there. But I think um, the series is like you're kind of commenting on the relatable aspects of it, but it also has a very um, it's also like really esoteric in a lot of ways and really open ended and stuff, which is kind of interesting, which is, I think is kind of why you don't hear people talk about the Max that much, but every once in a while you do. And I think it's a fondly remembered and cherished comic book. And I think that's because it's both relatable, as you were saying, but it's also has those sort of like philosophical, esoteric like aspects to it that you just it sticks with you because you're not clear on every little bit. Um, I already mentioned the TV series, but I actually bought a bootleg version of the animated series at a comic convention that I was at. And for a while, it's been a bit, a bit since I've watched it, but it was almost like every year, or every two years I would watch through the series, which isn't, it's not a super long series, but it was kind of like this weird, like Lord of the Rings thing for me, where it was just like, well, it feels like that time of year that I've got to watch the Max again. And it was kind of just this reoccurring thing for me for a while. So I, I love the Max. It's a great book. And I think I think it's a trip and I, everybody should at least, you know, check it out at some point. Everybody should. Um, all right. Um, let's move on because we could do yeah. a whole show on the Max. Apparently. <laughs> um, what uh, since we matched on that one, this goes back to you. dude. So what's your next one? yeah right on so um i've got a lot of the comics like the max and then moving into my next one's another the comic and it's actually another uh old image comic as well but i went with the comic book uh the creech which is Uh, a comic book that is yeah it's it's a comic that's uh written and drawn by greg capullo um it's a story about a Frankenstein-esque monster, like this sort of scientific experiment monster that looks like the coolest character you've ever seen in your life, who ends up um, having to take care of uh, this young baby as he escapes this lab that was experimenting on him. And there's also like a really weird religious sort of conspiracy subplot that goes on as well as a really weird alien subplot comes on. And if you read so the the actual story arc that I'm focusing on is because they've had a couple different Creech miniseries, but I would be focusing on the first one, which when you read it, um, when you read through all the issues, those three stories, like the sort of escaped monster story and the religious conspiracy story and the weird alien invasion one 
all really tie together in a really cool, unique way. And I don't want to say too much else about the plot because I don't want to ruin anything because I definitely think this is a great comic to check out. But like I said, the Creech is one of my favorite character designs. Like, I think this is an awesome looking monster. It's a badass looking comic book character. He looks like the best parts of I don't even know, like Pit from like Pit from Image Comics, as well as the Predator, as well as the Hulk, as well as well as like biomechanical armor elements. Like he's a really badass looking character. But uh, I also love this comic because, like I mentioned, it's written and drawn by Greg Capullo, who's one of my favorite artists. Um, when he made this comic, he was also drawing Spawn at the same time, and this was kind of a side project for for him and if you go back to those old capullo spawn issues he is very unhinged in a lot of ways where you look at some of those pages and you're like man i don't think greg pulled out a ruler at all for any of these like not to draw any buildings or perspective or anything everything's like really kind of i don't want to say loose but everything's kind of really exaggerated and warped and just looks really cool. And it's hard to describe unless you've seen it. And the Creech has that sort of dark, twisted, warped style to all the the way the characters and everything looks. But it also has a really unique, which I think he had this in Spawn as well. But for some reason, the Creech stood out to me where I think Greg Capullo had like a really unique, almost like beautiful in a weird, sick, twisted way. Uh, of storytelling with this comic because it is there's not a lot of square regular panels like a lot of the panels are very weird shapes and stuff like that but the way that he draws your eyes through the uh, pages of, of this comic using these very organic panel shapes and stuff I just think is really beautiful and it's something that I think you have to read and really look at the pages to understand because I don't think I can put into it into words but uh I met Greg Capullo at a uh I think it was Chicago Comic Con like Wizard World uh, a number of years ago um and I had him sign uh the issues of the creature I had and I I told him like you know, I like your new Batman stuff, but man, the storytelling on the old Creech <laughs> stuff is just next level. And he kind of told me like, yeah, I mean, I kind of toned stuff back a little bit for DC, but I definitely appreciate what you're saying there. So that was kind of a cool moment. But Drew, I don't know if you've read this comic at all or anything like I, that. Uh, but, uh, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with it at all. That's why I was kind of like, ah, just let him talk. Just do his thing. <laughs> OK, OK, nice. So. So, yeah, I haven't I don't know that comic that well. So, um. But I'm going to because I don't, I'm going to move on if you're done with the Creech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I pretty much said all I want to um, say. So so you talked about Spawn earlier. I'm going to talk about it now. Um, nice. Spawn's awesome. Um, one of the things that really because, you know, Spawn was a character that just looked cool and I didn't really know a lot about him um, until there was a Frank Miller, Todd McFarlane Spawn Batman crossover issue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a great that was, that was probably the first time I read spawn anything because, you know, for me, it was Batman. Like, you know, what brought me into it? Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. It was such a fun read. And then it made me dive into spawn, um, not just spawn the comic book, but spawn, um, the HBO animated series. Yeah. And if you have HBO max, go to your HBO and go to series and it's right there. The entire run of it. <laughs> Um, uh, the animated series, the, the spawn animated is absolutely 
phenomenal. Um, and there's some really like, and in terms of story arcs, there's one story arc that just chills me to the bone. And because of it, I can't stand ice cream delivery guys anymore. Uh, yeah. When, when I see that ice cream truck coming down the block, I'm just like, well, someone just stop these people from being <laughs> in existence. Well, that, um, that's the messed up because I know we were like trying to focus on story arcs and that's the messed up part about that show is that's not the most action packed story arc in that show, but it's, it's the most memorable because it makes you cringe so much. And uh, because I really like villains, you love to hate like that ice cream truck driver. He's probably the best villain on that show when it comes to somebody that's going to really going to be memorable and is going to stick with you. And it's somebody who you're going to cringe at and hate anytime you think of that show. And uh, it's just kind of crazy that, you know, this mortal human character in this crazy, super natural story is the one that sticks out the most. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And I and I agree with you there. So uh, but no, Spawn, whether it's from the story of, you know, um, Al Simmons, you know, becoming a devil reincarnate, coming back and fighting for the um and battling in the in the war between heaven and hell and dealing with the angels and the, the bounty hunters from heaven. And, um, you know, you throw in all the stuff with uh, his because he's dead now, his uh, late wife or whatever, and dealing with the relationship mm-hmm. she's trying to continue on with. And, uh, then you throw in the violator and the artwork is amazing. And like the, the lore behind it's amazing. And the deep dives into like the idea of heaven and hell. And all, like, it's just a really, really cool book. Uh, the artwork is phenomenal. Um, what I really liked was when I always thought that Batman spawn, like little one-off book that I read had nothing to do with the overall mythos until you read spawn and you get to the point where it actually had repercussions in the story. And you're like, Oh my gosh, that's right where that book would fit. And not only would it fit, you turn the page in the spawn book and it's like, it's as if you were supposed to go and read that book, that Batman spawn crossover, because, oh, here we are with the repercussions of what happened. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, just really cool. Spawn is one of my favorites just because of me. Die- I got really invested into the lore of it. So, um, yeah, Spawn. Um, I don't have any much more to say on it, so we can move on. But Yeah, nice. I Well, I absolutely agree with everything you say with everything you said there. So, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, moving into my next pick and, um, this one, it was kind of like when I put my list together, I was going to either pick this one or spawn. And the reason I picked this one is just because there was more story arcs like that. I specifically could reference and stuff, but I went with the darkness, which is another image comic that starts with the, so there you go. Um, <laughs> that's three in the three in a row. I'm pretty sure the darkness was top cow. Well, so so um, Top Cow is like Mark Silvestri's sub company under image, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. like, okay. like, because, yeah, like, like, because, uh, like, Wildstorm was like Jim Lee's image, like section. And then Wildstorm ended up joining with DC when D- when Jim Lee went to DC. So Top Cow is like the yeah, same yeah, yeah. way. It's just Mark Silvestri's outfit or whatever. But yeah, uh, thank you for. Yeah. Clarifying. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 No problem. Um, so the darkness. Um, where do I even want to start with this? So this is a comic that I mentioned Mark Silvestri. Mark Silvestri is an amazing artist. Like, I think he he's a great storyteller. I think he has a really cool style. He 
he's kind of in a lot of ways. I feel like he's just as good as Jim Lee, but maybe gets a little less attention. But he has that sort of Jim Lee, like kind of sketchy, scratchy, but really realistic, but also really neatly like cool, like really stylized in a really cool way. Like that's kind of his style. Um, And I I think he just when you read The Darkness, his artwork on this book was just so it's just so fun and so cool. And he did he did do these sort of like early um, comics in this series that were also uh, written by Garth Ennis, who's <laughs> both like a really good comic artist in a lot, a lot of ways. But he's really funny because Garth Ennis really likes his gore. He likes to swear a lot in his comics and stuff. And uh, when you read The Darkness, that first story arc that was like Silvestri, drawn by Silvestri and written by Garth Ennis, that's probably my favorite one. But it's just it's just really entertaining. Um, and The Darkness is about this. It's about this guy who is a sort of heir to a mafia empire sort of thing. Like he's a young man who's involved in a mafia family and he ends up coming across this like really amazing ancient power that allows him to literally do whatever he wants. And that is the darkness. But the way the in the comic, the way it's depicted when you use the darkness to do something, it's depicted as all these little like monsters and demons and stuff who hide in the shadows, who are basically um, basically acting out what you wish to do. And uh, the main character, Jackie Estacado, this uh, mafia um, heir or however you want to phrase it, he um, when he's when he appears as the darkness um, in that form, he's got a really cool really like sci-fi superhero esque look like it almost looks like, I don't know, a mix between the Giver maybe and like something else really cool that I don't know, (laughs) but he's got a really cool costume. And then you have the visual elements of all these monsters and demons just kicking ass whenever he wants and stuff. And it makes for some really cool visuals. And uh, in, in that first story arc, which involves when this character gets this power, I remember him fighting against, different like mob factions and stuff, almost having this sort of um, relationship where he's kind of like going against his family ties because he's fighting for good sort of thing. And I remember there's like a really weird, like religious cult plot that comes in towards the end of that arc. And he has to like defeat this like crazy cult leader and stuff. But uh, it's just a really fun uh, arc. But what I was going to say is, Garth Ennis, um, in some of his writings in that first arc, describes the darkness as the force on crack, <laughs> like the force on Star Wars <laughs> on crack, which I thought was really funny. But if we're talking about indie story arcs, it is that first uh, Garth Ennis arc that I really love. Um, but I also really like uh, later on Dale Keown, who is known for doing like the pit at Image Comics, and he's got a really good uh Hulk run that he drew as well. He drew a bunch of the art or the darkness issues, and he's got just a really cool, crisp uh, kind of like really uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, but he's he's got not tactile, but he's got that visceral. That's the word I'm like. He's got like a really visceral art style that I really like, too. So I really enjoyed his issues on the darkness as well. So. Nice. Yeah, that's um, pretty much everything I wanted to say about that one. But I don't know if you have any thoughts, Drew. <laughs> no, I got you. There's uh, the darkness is not one that I read. Um, okay. 
it's one that was it, it was always a part of um, how I want to word it. Um, it was kind of like it was one of those things where like for me it was kind of like a secondary thing. Like I always knew it was out there. I always knew what it was about, but I never really read the book. Yeah. So no, I hear you there. Um, but that's awesome though. Um, yeah, I guess it goes to me then, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever play the Darkness video game real quick before I? Uh... I I actually never played it. I know it's a video game, and a lot of people. It was a. It wasn't like crazy popular, but it's it's popular enough that a lot of people know it as a video game over being a comic, which I think is interesting. That is. Have interesting. you ever played it at all? I played the demo. Um, okay. And uh, it was the demo was the demo was cool. Um, I really liked what they were trying to do. Um, but in the realm of video games, there was like so many other video games I could be playing. So I never went very much farther as opposed to the demo. Yeah. Um, I know it's like it was kind of a first person shooter and you kind of had um, the elements of like the different darkness monsters that you could control a little bit. But I think the comic, it's kind of when you have the power of the darkness, you kind of you literally can do whatever you want. And it's so overpowered and all encompassing. I don't it's kind of I think it's something that's hard to transfer translate to a video game, you know? Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, all right. So my next one is uh, Noctera. I spoke about it last week when I started reading. Right. Nice. Uh, I'm I'm this very quickly reaches the pantheon of some of one of my favorite like indie <laughs> books. And that's it might, awesome. It might just be because it's so fresh. Um, if you didn't listen last week, I was talking about this book, Noctera, that's written by Scott Snyder. And the art is um, done by uh, uh, Tony S. Daniels. So the arts. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Scott Snyder's writing is just completely epic in some of the coolest ways. This book is ridiculous in the sense that um, it's it's about monsters, but it is so just well thought out and pieced together. And it's just like it makes me like I really would love to just sit down with Scott Snyder and really pick his brain about how he comes up with some of his things that he comes up with. Um, it's just it's such an it's such a fun fun, cool book. And I was kind of like at the edge of my seat throughout most of it because I really wanted like I really just got sucked in bad. Um, but it's basically this darkness, if you will, <laughs> uh, has basically covered the earth and it's causing people to mutate into these monsters if they're in the dark for too long. So um it, the the book takes place uh, focuses around this girl by the name of Val Riggs who acts as a ferryman moving people back and forth between the cities or getting supplies or moving goods or whatever the case may be and she drives a giant 18 wheeler that she's decked out in like crazy lights and stuff to protect people that she's with um, moving in and out of the cities the the big lit up cities and that kind of thing so um, such a cool book. The first six issues is all I've read. So it's the first volume or the first graphic novel. Um, I definitely that's definitely a series I'm probably going to collect for a while or at least um, hopefully they keep it going for a little while because I'll definitely buy volume two. Um, but yeah, so Noctera, it's awesome. You should check it out. But um, and I and I definitely up your alley, Peter. So, yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like I mean, we talked about this a bit. I think it was last week, but. Yeah, it's, it sounds really awesome, so I definitely want to check it out. I haven't I haven't read this comic at all yet, but um, I can say um, I do follow uh, Scott Snyder on Twitter, and I saw he posted 
another um he he posted a cover of another comic that he's working on with Greg Capullo right now, which I think was image. Um, but I can't remember, but it's something to do with demons. Like it's demons yeah. something or something about demons. And so it seems like Scott Snyder's just doing some really cool, weird indie comic books right now, which, uh, sounds like a really fun, uh, you know, a fun set of comics to uh, do a deep dive on at some point. He is, and he uh, he was just recently on the Fat Man on Batman podcast with Kevin Smith. Oh, and cool! Talking about um, all of his books are being released on Comicsology first before they go to print. Yes, yeah, that uh, was an ass. It was Comicsology only. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, see that. they're they're Comicsology first before print because he is kind of in the mindset that people are going to start buying comics digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to tell you. I'm kind of starting to think that way, too, because and I've already and I'm not trying to sell it, but I'm I'm a subscriber to the DC uh, Infinite app and the Marvel Unlimited app. So I'm reading my comics digitally now, you know, primarily not Noctera. I bought the hardcover for because or not the hardcover, but I bought the physical copy because I don't have comiXology. So I was like, no, I'll just buy the actual book. So, um, yeah, yeah, I I. I only I only read comics in the Facebook metaverse, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, all right, dude, what's your last pick? We are running yeah. normal. So what's your last pick? Yeah. Um, so my last pick, which I'll try not to go on and on because it's something that everybody knows and most people love. But earlier I mentioned that I really love to see the things that, you know, the indie comics or the indie projects that people are making in their basement or garage at their house that it's just so inspiring to me to see people put together something that you wouldn't necessarily expect. And I think this next pick is the best example of it I can think of. And that is, uh, it's weird to put this on an indie comics list, but I went with teenage mutant Ninja turtles. And, uh, I'm talking of course about the old, Eastman and Laird 80s uh, black and white indie comic book that they self-published. And when I talk about like the one that was based off of the uh, Daredevil books. Yep, exactly. Like they um, they based the origin of the Ninja Turtles off of uh, the origin of Daredevil because they were super inspired by the um, uh, Frank Miller Daredevil run that was coming out around the same time as they were working on the book. And uh This is just one of those things like this is two guys who got together, who wrote and came up with this ridiculous story about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And they made a black and white comic about out of it. And uh, they didn't have a studio. They didn't have an art studio or anything like that. So they named their studio Mirage Studios because Mirage is something you see while walking in the desert and it's something that's not actually there. And that was their in joke is, yeah, our studio is a mirage like it doesn't actually exist, which is just hilarious. And they put together this black and white comic and it was one of those things that from what I understand, they kind of just pooled all the money they had and were only able to print, you know, maybe a couple thousand copies and they debuted it at this comic convention. And it was kind of like the most ridiculous thing ever. It was kind of one of those things that people would walk by and just be like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I have to buy this. And it just kind of became a hit. And not only that, like this was just a black and white comic and uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Like, I love their artwork, but it's also a very 
they're they both have a very accessible style in the way that you read their comic and it's not like you're looking at an alex ross comic it's not like you're looking at this comic that you feel like you couldn't possibly make a piece of art this good you kind of look at it and it kind of has that punk rock like you know you kind of feel like you're listening to the ramones and you're like man i could write a song about the you know i could write a song like the ramones you know it's the same the same kind of situation where you're like i could make a comic like eastman and laird you know like i could do this in my living room too and uh it's kind of a cool um from my understanding at least kind of a bit of an inception point where it kind of kicked off a bunch of other creators in the 80s putting out their own comic book like it's kind of like the sex pistols or the ramones of indie comics if that makes sense and uh i just think the story of ninja turtles is so inspiring like it's such a rags to riches like we put together this black and white just weird random comic that ended up becoming a cartoon and then a movie and then an empire and it became a household name and it's just it's just such a cool story and uh this is like if we're talking story arcs, I think I would just go with I believe it's the first comic in the series where the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are, you know, they fight the foot soldiers and they fight uh, the shredder on the roof of the building. And it actually plays out really similar to the first Ninja Turtles movie. Like, I love that story arc. But uh, the next two story arcs are really cool as well, because right after that, they go to space. <laughs> And they fight Triceratons like they just go off the rails right away. And uh, from those space exploits, they end up bringing in um, I can't remember the race of aliens, but Krang basically like that alien race comes into the next um, story arc, which is really cool as well. But I've rambled on about Ninja Turtles for a long time right now, and I will in the future. I'm absolutely sure. So, yeah, that's my next pick. Or my All right, yeah, pick, I should and say. I have not, and Ninja Turtles, aside from me flipping through some of those original issues, I've never actually read the original stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, I've never actually read the original stuff, because for me, I got into Ninja Turtles with the cartoon, and it kind of ran from there. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, all right, so my next, my last pick for the night is a book called Danger Girl. Um, oh, nice, yeah. In the terms of, like, shuffling around, I didn't think this was going to be the last one I'd talk about, but this is, have you ever read Danger Girl, Peter? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's, this is—it's it's been a bit, but I think I borrowed um, the volumes of it that you had a, or whatever and read through it. I only have a couple of them. It's a book. Yeah. it's a book that I stumbled on randomly. I was like, "What's this?" Eh, I'll check it out. Um, and it's basically—it's so it's written by—it um, was created by Andy Hartnell and J. Scott Campbell. J. Scott Campbell is one of my favorite comic artists in general, so the art grabbed my attention immediately. But essentially, it's I feel like it's the it's like this ridiculous conglomeration of Charlie's Angels meets James Bond meets Mission Impossible. It's like it's this um, it's basically the uh, the idea of um, it's espionage. It's super spies. It's, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, it, it deals with the ridiculous. So, like, you know, yes, you get standard like little spy stuff and then you get like the most ridiculous superhero spy espionage nonsense you can. Um, but it's non stop. It's explosions and chases and car chases and more explosions and gunplay. And, you know, here's the hot girl like sneaking into the club trying to use her sexuality to like, you know, get information out of the guy. And then it's more explosions and car chases, you know, um, <laughs> 
it's such a fun, it was such a fun read that it made me go, Ooh, I got to read more of this. Um, there's not a lot out there, but the few books there are, they're great. Um, it's, it's not as long of a running series as I expected it to be, but it's such a good book. Um, I definitely recommend it. Um, if you just want a fun, if you just want a really fun read, I definitely recommend it. So, um, but yeah, that's so yeah, danger girl, check it out. It's awesome. Um, so yeah, I kind uh, of, I kind of absolutely agree with everything you said there, but I second the, the notion that Jay Scott Campbell is just an awesome artist who, um, yeah, I definitely really appreciate it and stuff. So, um, yeah, here. it's, this episode has gone way longer than I expected, but that's right. <laughs> we, had, we had a ton of news and then we rambled on about uh, our picks for the night, but dude, it, you got me talking about indie comics. I could probably just go on and on, but, uh, yeah, I, what were I you noticed, saying? I noticed uh, <laughs> your pick for next week, man, what are we doing? Yeah, so um, on this podcast, we've done some kind of weird lists. Um, for example, our top five favorite movie trailers, which I actually wasn't there for that week, but I have a pretty similar one planned for next week, and that is our top five favorite movie posters. And uh, this is something that I've been thinking about for a while. And uh, it's one of those things where the other day I actually saw a picture of a movie poster on line that uh kind of made me think yeah we it's time we got to do this list and this is cool because you have movie posters like you could pick any newer movie but there's tons from the 80s and even before that that are just really iconic and you have like the drew struzan like super detailed super realistic stuff and then you've also have some more abstract just artistic posters and i think it's just going to be a fun topic in general even though it kind of seems random at first you know it's only random because it's an audio podcast and we're talking about visual media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true um yeah anyway uh good call dude we haven't done movie posters so yeah good catch on that um yeah let's put this one in, let's toss this episode into the can because like i said we've been talking way long <laughs> so yeah um, do we us started all early and we're ending at normal time <laughs> yeah um, do us all a favor, everybody. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our social media. Either way works. We are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review, which we love those five stars. But we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I'll be asking if you have a moment of time to talk about our Lord and Savior, Dark Plagueis the Wise. <laughs> All right. Um, everybody, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs>